Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're talking about the new government and the policies expected to come in. And we're specifically going to talk to you about what the media missed. Because I spent my weekend reading all of the coalition agreements, all of national parties' press releases and documents again. Now that we've got a government that has been decided and has just been sworn in, there are a lot of policies that haven't made their way into the media just yet, but they are going to affect you as a property investor. So that's what we're going to talk about. Now, Andrew, what is your first reaction to the policies that have been announced by the new government? I think for property investors, there's a lot of positive stuff that's come out. And there's a lot of policy, way more than I expected there was going to be. And there's going to be a flow on effect to the housing market, particularly because it affects people's confidence in investing in property or or making a decision to move forward with something. And here's how we're going to do this. We're going to talk about the demand, and then we're going to talk about the supply things and how they play into each other. Cool. So let's start with the demand side for the property market, specifically around the financial incentives to invest. Now, ACT got a win because interest deductibility is going to be phased in, but phased in slightly faster than National originally proposed. So National originally said, oh, cool, we'll give you same 50% interest deductibility this year, then 75 then 100%. Act's got it slightly faster. It's going to go 60%, then 80%, then 100%. So there is a a small benefit, both in the first and the second year. It's probably going to benefit most anyone who bought a property in the last two years. Because if you bought an existing property in the last two years, you've had 0% deductibility, right? So you've been paying a lot more tax than you otherwise would have been. Now that interest deductibility is coming back in and coming in a little bit faster than expected. If you've bought in the last two years, this is a massive win for you. National also got a win. The bright line test, that will be wound back to two years. Now, there hasn't been much of a hoo-ha made about that. And the reason is because the bright line test is not mentioned in either the New Zealand First or the ACT Party Coalition Agreement. But what those coalition agreements do say is, here's all of the policies we're going to support. This is basically national now. Here's all of the policies we're going to support that are your policies. And in return, you have to support our 100-day plan, our 100-point economic plan, our fiscal plan, which is what they want to spend money on, and our tax plan. And so just because it's not mentioned in the coalition documents, I think people have missed that the Brightline test is coming back because that is point 20 of national's 100-point economic plan. So the fact that it's not mentioned in the coalition agreements actually means that it's coming back in, which is what I think some people have missed. So both of those, infrastructability and Brightline Test, that is going to create more of a financial incentive, especially for investors to get into the market now. So I think we'll see more people come in. But there are also some changes in the demand side, Andrew, about changing the risks for investors. Yeah, so ACT got a win. They bought back the 90-day no-cause terminations and have shorter periods for giving tenants notice. So if you're a tenant, you only have to give three weeks notice rather than the four, what it is at the moment. And if you're a property investor and you want to give your tenants notice, you only have to give them 42 days notice rather than the 63 if you're moving back into the property. Actually, I think I actually got that wrong when I was preparing you for the show as well, Andrew. I think if you're moving back into a property, you've got currently got to give 90 days notice. So that's going to be significantly shortened down if property investors want to move back into properties. That 90-day no-cause termination, God, that is such an important change for property investors because it means that if you've got a tenant who seemed really nice but then turns out to be a degenerate, they're not respecting your property, they're causing your neighbours issues, and there's just a whole heap of reasons why they're not the best tenant. You can actually say, hey, this is my house, bugger off, move on. And the reasons that you were able to get rid of a tenant in the past were just too restrictive, 
even if your tenant was routinely late, I think they had to be late three times within a three-month period or something along those lines. The reasons for getting rid of a tenant were too onerous. So this is going to decrease the risk for property investors and probably just make them feel like things are going their way, more likely to come in. And there's also another big win, I think, both for property investors and tenants in terms of the pet bonds, Andrew. Yeah, so ACT got a win by bringing in pet bonds. So if you've got a tenant who wants a pet, you can charge them a higher bond in case there's damage to the carpets or the curtains or whatever that is. So we don't have the details yet, but this is going to be a win for property investors, but also for tenants, because if they want to have a pet, then now there's a safety measure, which means that the landlord can be a bit more flexible with them. Yeah, I think it will allow a lot more landlords to say, actually, maybe I will have a pet because I can mitigate my risk. You see, at the moment, you might think, oh, well, why don't you just charge them a higher bond anyway? Well, you weren't allowed to. The maximum bond you could charge was four weeks worth of rent, which pretty much everyone does anyway. So if you're weighing up a tenant with a pet or a tenant without a pet, you might say, well, I'll just take the one without a pet because I've got to get the same amount of bond, but there might be more damage if there's a tenant with a pet. If you can charge a bond, maybe you're a bit more likely to say, you know what, I actually am going to take the tenant with the pet. And if the dog or the cat or whatever doesn't cause any damage, great, the tenant can take it all back. I think there's also going to be some changes in the demand side because it's going to be easier to get mortgages or we expect it might get easier. So both New Zealand First and ACT in their coalition agreements have committed to rewriting the triple CFA. Remember, that is the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act. That was the law that came in where the banks started looking at how much we were spending on coffee or how much we were spending on Uber Eats and Netflix and all of that weird stuff that was happening in mid-2020-22. So what they've said is that they want to rewrite it so that people who are on lower incomes, that they don't get caught by loan sharks, but at the same time, that we're not stopping people from getting a mortgage or, or getting credit if they are a credit-worthy borrower. Now, it could make it a bit easier, but it depends on the wording and also how banks interpret it. We've talked about that a little bit on the show in the past, because the banks have brought in all of these systems so that they better analyse what different borrowers are doing. And they're probably not going to chuck those in the bin just because the government then comes in and says, hey, you don't have to do that anymore. So it'd be really interesting what the wording of the law is, but then also how the banks interpret it. Now, all of these different factors, it's going to increase demand for housing, particularly from investors, because it's either going to make it easier to get a mortgage, or it's going to make it more profitable for them to be an investor because there's less tax, or less risky to be an investor. And so I think we will see more investors say, you know what, I am going to give it a go. One thing I do want to mention is that New Zealand First did get their way and there will be no new foreign home buyers in New Zealand. So they aren't going to enact that policy where foreigners can buy any property over $2 million as long as they pay a 15% tax. So the demand won't go up as much as it might have if that policy was brought in. But Andrew, let's talk about the supply side because what a lot of the media has missed is all of the policies that are going to make it easier to build new houses and give incentives for building new houses. This is really interesting. Yeah, so there's a whole lot of policies trying to make it easier and cheaper for builders to build new properties, particularly from national side. So in their 100-day plan, they've committed to introducing a fast-track consenting regime to get more houses built. Now, we don't have the details at the moment, but you could argue that that's going to increase supply over time. And they also want to approve having more building materials and products that are approved for other countries that we're not necessarily using here. And so this, again, could make it easier for building materials, make it a little bit cheaper, make it a bit more competitive. Now, point 29 of the 100-point economic plan 
is to force councils to accept photos and videos as evidence for work being done for consents. So that will speed up the time in terms of turnarounds. That's an interesting one because it opens you up for all sorts of things that might go wrong that then falls into the council's hands. What do you think about that? Well, we'll find out how it's, I mean, it all comes down to how this stuff is implemented, right? But what's amazing is that as you go through it, there's a lot of points that they want to do. Now, not all of these are likely to get implemented, right? Because governments come in and they've got all of these different policies and say, this is all the great stuff that we're going to do. And then not everything actually ends up getting implemented. But it was just amazing how much stuff they want to change. So they want to make it faster to get consents. They want to make it easier to get consents. They want there to be more building materials available and have them more quickly approved so you can use them in New Zealand. This was a small point, but point 30 of their economic plan is to define what a minor variation is in the Building Act. What are they trying to do there? They're trying to decrease the number of consents needed for, for smaller changes. Point 31 of their plan, force councils to issue CCCs, co-compliance certificates within five days of final inspection. Just a whole heap of policies to make it cheaper and faster to build. And there was a really interesting one out of New Zealand First that, in my view, no one has talked about, but is really going to impact you investors out there who are taking a more active strategy, who are either renovating or building yourself. So New Zealand First, who are one of their main constituents? The oldies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wanted you to say it, not me, in case we've got oh, a complaint. Right. But you're right, the oldies. And so one of the things, I think this is a good idea, actually. They want to change the Building Act to make it easier to build granny flats and like minor dwellings. Right. So remember how Labour came out with what was actually quite a good policy where you wouldn't need a building or resource consent to put a cabin on your backyard as long as it was less than 30 square metres. And so people started doing that. And that was great. It was a, a strategy that we used as part of cash flow hacking to get the rent up. Now they're saying, well, you know what? We're basically going to extend that. So to make it easier to build any minor dwelling that is less than 60 square metres, and you're only going to be needing an engineer's report to put one of those in. So again, not enough detail to say this is exactly what the policy is. This is exactly how it's going to work. Go out and build your granny flats on your back section. But it seems like the direction of travel is that it could make it a lot easier if you want to put a minor dwelling on the back. Maybe you've got a house currently and you want an extra source of rental income or you've got a rental property and you want that to have an extra source of rental income, we could see some policies there that are going to make it a little bit easier. Again, we look forward to seeing some more of those details. But Andrew, there were also some big changes around councils and incentivising councils to consent more properties. Yes, so the medium density residential standards are now optional. Now that's the policy where you could go to your council and then build three townhouses on your section if you had met the certain criteria. Yeah, and wouldn't need a resource consent. Correct. And so we spoke about this about a year ago, two years ago? Couple I'm of years old ago. now. Why are you asking me? Yeah, and so now councils can decide whether or not they want to actually have these individually, and they have to ratify them, which means they have to have a vote on it. So the standards are basically dead in the water. And the reason I reckon they're dead in the water is the whole ratifying them. So what was the reason why Labor brought in this policy? It's because they said, you know what, you councils... You're not doing what we want. Let's just make it easier to build. So now say, cool, we can still have those rules, but it's going to be optional and the councils have to vote on them. 
I reckon there's going to be a lot of councils that just say no. And it might be because, you know, 11 out of the 20 councillors don't think it's a good idea and nine of them do think it's a good idea, but then the motion fails and, hey, you don't have those standards anymore. So I think, generally speaking, those those are going to be absolutely gone. There's another interesting one about, I saw point sixty four in National's Economic Plan. Yeah, so they're going to do a Christchurch and make all council zone land for 30 years of population growth. So they're going to go and look at the city and say, based on the projections of the next 30 years population growth, what do we need to actually allow as far as infrastructure goes? Well, it's not just infrastructure, it's about zoning the land so that developers can get in and then build things. So one of the things that happened directly after the Canterbury earthquakes is government came in, right, you have to rezone your whole city and open up more land to be developed. Now that caused a whole heap of building work to go on and now in Christchurch we've got suburbs that never existed 10 years ago and a significant amount of building work. That's what National want to do, or that's what they're saying they are going to do basically across the whole country. And so we could see a lot more opportunities to build or in a lot more land available for developers to get in and build more properties. Now, at the moment, you know, we just said in our 12 predictions for 2024 that we're going to see a decline in consents. I think we're going to continue to see that. Right now, the number of consents is going down. It's probably going to continue in 2024 because it's going to take a while for this policy to be implemented and voted through, then it's going to take time for councils to go through and rezone the land. That could take several years. But what that policy is probably going to do is by the time we get to 2025, 2026, the seeds are being sown for another building boom. And I think that's what they're really trying to get at. That's why I think there are some really interesting things in here to be aware of as a property investor when we're thinking about the housing market, not just in terms of what happens in 2024, but what happens in the next decade. And there's a really interesting policy in terms of an axe agreement. Yeah, so they've agreed to investigate whether or not there could be a GST sharing with the council. So how does that work, Ed? Well, the issue with a lot of councils at the moment is they don't want to consent more properties, or or that appears to be what they don't want to do. And the reason is because the councils have to put in more infrastructure, more streetlights, all of those kinds of things, and provide more services for more and more houses. Now, the councils are probably thinking, well, we've got so much debt and not enough revenue, we can't really raise rates that much because people get all up in arms about it. So how are we going to pay for this new infrastructure? And so what ACT want to do is say, okay, when you buy a new built house, there's GST on it. And so what we're going to do, or what they're going to investigate, is half of that will go to the Treasury, so that goes towards the national budget, in terms of the country's budget rather than the political party's budget. And half of that can go to the councils so that they've got a financial incentive to consent as many properties as possible. Now, we'll see whether that comes across the line. But National have also got what they call their Build for Growth initiative. So that's where they've allocated a billion dollars. And what they want to do is say, well, if you build or if you consent more properties than your five-year average, we're going to give you some of that $1 billion. We're going to incentivize you to consent more and more properties. And I think that that is going to be a really good policy in many ways because the councils are sitting there then saying, we can make more money if we consent more properties. Not only do we get the additional rates and the growth within our city or within our area, but we've also got a financial incentive to do it. Now, Andrew, I'm a bit embarrassed because we recently did our our 12 predictions webinar and I think your July one was that they were going to get rid of KiwiBuild. I was dumb and hadn't read the national 100-point economic plan at that point and uh, they're going to pay for this $1 billion by getting rid of KiwiBuild. Oh, really? And you laughed at me when I suggested it. And I made you give it a 21% probability. Uh, I didn't read it either, so. 
But anyway, they are going to get rid of KiwiBuild, which is the scheme that supports developers. As said, they're going to give that money to councils to try and encourage them to consent more. So there are a lot of policies on the demand side, and we've seen a lot of those talked about in the media. But there are a ton of policies on the supply side, encouraging more properties being built. And I think that's the part that's been missed. And once you go through it and you say, they're going to change the building materials, they're going to make new rules for councils to make them go faster. They're going to financially incentivize councils. They're going to reward councils for consenting more properties. You start to say, hey, it looks like we've got some pretty exciting things coming. Not just in terms of councils, but then in terms of making it easier to build granny flats as well. Now, Andrew, there are a couple of other interesting policies we should be aware of, at least for listeners of this show. What else is standing out to you? So one is that New Zealand First have now got an agreement to keep the age of eligibility for superannuation at 65. So there was that conversation about that going out to 67. National have also introduced a policy to let you split your KiwiSaver and invest with multiple providers, which is interesting. I don't know it's going to have any major impact, but it's an interesting policy. And there's lots of new roading projects through the roads of national significance. One of the more interesting ones was the motorway from Northern Christchurch out to Pegasus and the Waimakariri district. So that's going to be another interesting consideration for anyone wanting to invest out there. Yeah, that's an interesting one because Waimak is one of the, our top districts to invest in at the moment. One we're really, really interested in. So I... I'm looking forward to getting some more details around that. Just for anybody who lives in the Waimakariri district, um, they want to build a motorway that bypasses Woodend. And so maybe if you've invested in Woodend, you're going to think, okay, well, the cars aren't coming through my, my town now. So we'll get some more detail. Now, the main thing here is that there is a ton of policy, but it doesn't mean it all gets implemented, right? I expect a lot of this will get implemented. The vast bulk of it, especially the ones that have a lot of detail around it already that say, we're going to change it and here are the policy settings. Like infrastructability and the Brightline test, like those definitely got to come in because I've told you exactly what the policy is. When they say we're going to investigate GST sharing with councils, well, you can investigate all you like. It doesn't mean that it's absolutely definitely going to come in. And so we'll see how much of it gets implemented. But my takeaway is still the same. There is more policy in here than I thought there was going to be. And there is a lot around making it easier to build houses. Now, there are going to be some opportunities if you're a developer. There are going to be some opportunities if you're a builder. Not next year, but probably the next couple of years. There are also some opportunities there, especially around New Zealand First policy in terms of building minor dwellings and granny flats. Once we get the detail, you guys who have properties with a bit of land, maybe there's an opportunity there for you. But we'll keep you up to date here on the Property Academy podcast. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show. really does help us get the message out to more people. Listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. We're going to be back here tomorrow with even more daily strategies, texts, and insights to help you get the most of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.